0: It's May 24th, 2015, and you're listening to Episode 10 of Roll Up and Die. You may dispense
1: with the pleasantries, Commander. I'm here to put you back on schedule.
0: I am a school teacher in New Mexico, middle school, and uh, we're in the last week final week of school totally laid back all the teachers you know this is our time to pack up our trash you know erase our boards you know other really fun stuff that teachers do at the end of the year it's not really
2: nice to call your students (laughs) trash though barker yeah i know (laughs) (laughs) throw throw out all your bottles your empty bottles of
1: jack daniel (laughs) yes yeah, yeah, yeah that's it
0: all the all the all the mini shooters of shambord you know, <laughs> carrying by the bag. <laughs> no, the, uh, no, we. Uh, but the last week is cool because you know all the kids are doing like you know eighth grade picnics and yearbook signings and dances, so we can basically do what we want. <clears throat> and uh, you know, a lot of us will show movies, and uh, as long as they're PG because it's a middle school. But uh, I have been honestly, I teach a leadership course. And I have talked about Star Wars since day one. Because I, everyone knows I love Star Wars. Um, chug six drinks right now. I've seen all of them. Um, <laughs> seven if you want to plan ahead for December. I mean, really, I love <laughs> Star Wars. And I think that, honestly, when it comes to, like, initiative and dependability and courage, like, there's, there are few movies that rival it. And so oh, yeah. I uh, started showing Return of the Jedi today to my kids. That's the uh, the coolest thing happened. This one kid, we're watching Return of the Jedi, and there's a scene. He's never seen it. He's never seen Star Wars, what? any Star oh, Wars movie. Perhaps. Oh, man. I know. So I'm like, yes, now's your time, son. And i like <laughs> taking him under my arm. <laughs> you know, change your last name to Barker. Let's do this. <laughs> and, and, <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> There's this scene at, near the beginning of Return of the Jedi in the first 45 minutes when they're on the, uh, you know, the barge headed out to the Sarlacc pit to be executed, and Luke Skywalker looks to Han Solo, you know, who's still blind, and he says, "You know, I, I grew up here, you know," and Han Solo says, "We well, are gonna die here. It's convenient," and this <laughs> one kid in the middle of the whole class says, "Ooh, <laughs> burn!" Oh, snap. I, swear. I swear no one knew what happened the next like two minutes of the movie because everyone was just cracking up it was beautiful I was so proud of my little youngling
2: it's funny because you don't I mean you don't think about how how funny that is because I, I like that joke has just always been in my mind but if you actually think about what Han is saying it's just like oh damn Han like you're just being real with Luke right now yeah. Exactly, for
0: sure, man, for sure. Uh, I think one of my favorite quotes in that kind of beginning part of Return of the Jedi. I mean, there's so many as uh, but my, one of my favorites is uh when when Han Solo, you know, he's brought out of the carbonite, he's blind, Jabba's capturing him and he said to Luke, "How are we doing?" and Luke says, "Uh, oh, same as usual." That, bad, that huh? bad, huh? That's oh, man,
2: so good.
0: What's your favorite Star Wars movie, guys?
2: Uh when I was a kid, my favorite was Return of the Jedi. I loved the the battle at the end, cutting between the, the ground battle on Endor and the space battle. Um, I loved seeing Darth Vader and Luke have their final confrontation. Uh, I loved mm-hmm. to hate the the Emperor. Um, mm. But, oh, and I just... I When I was a kid, just the, the sail barge fight at the beginning was just pretty much oh, the coolest yeah. thing I'd ever seen because you got to see luke in full jedi mode just wasting people with his new green lightsaber
0: that thing is long i don't know i guess it had been a while since i'd seen jedi but if you look at it again that lightsaber is like a claymore lightsaber oh it's awesome
2: oh yeah but as an adult my favorite star wars movie is far and away the Mm. empire strikes back it's such a brilliantly crafted movie it just everything Mm. just fits together so nicely and it's paced really well And it manages the job of having two very separate stories happening at the same time and then Mm -hmm. having them kind of interweave at the beginning and at the end very beautifully. So I really love Empire Strikes Back.
1: Yeah, it's a it's a it's a really it was a really brave sort of uh, movie, too, because it's it's not a happy ending. No. And and to have a movie like that to not have a happy ending is, you know, was, uh, you know, it was taking a chance. Mm-hmm. You know it was taking a chance that people wouldn't wouldn't like it you know or that people would be just be so depressed about it they wouldn't go see the next one or you know say like, oh God you know now now what's gonna happen to them next you know yep. but um yeah no i I love that about the movie i mean my my personal favorite is still a new hope mm-hmm. simply because it well I, I think because it was a, it was a it was new to the world or new to that new to that universe, and so it was really sort of um not afraid to just you know go all out and take chances with. With new things and uh, I you. so so that's why it just you know, says more to me. Oh for sure. And you know, it's you know, it's one of those
0: things that I would tell the kids before we start the movie, like, hey, I just want you guys to know that you know, you can see all the Michael Bay movies you want, but <laughs> when this came out, like this was the shit. Yeah. This was just the I mean, just the the frontier yeah. in, in a lot of ways. I don't remember it well, so I guess I'm not really one to, to speak. I was born <laughs> after Jedi it came out, but.
1: well, and and I tend to look at them as all a single movie anyway. Yeah, yeah. But really, really, it's just like a single movie that they just broke up into three parts, which you know nowadays is a lot more common, but you know back then it was kind of new, and I and I think that's the way it was sort of written, and you can tell that by uh, by Empire because it's definitely a connective movie. It wasn't, it's not, I mean, it can be kind of standalone. It's clearly intended to connect the two, uh, you know, uh, A New Hope yeah. and Return of the Jedi. And so uh, I think in their minds they had intended, you know, intended it to to do so. And I think they knew there was going to be a, a Jedi. I mean, I knew Lucas wanted that, but, um, you know, in, in movies there's never a guarantee. Right. Yeah.
2: Yeah, I mean it, it's true that it, and there's a just a beautiful arc that happens with most of the characters in the Star Wars yeah. franchise. And like the movies kind of talk to each other, you know, there's echoes of yeah. A New Hope in Return of the Jedi and, and vice versa. Yeah. And so it is it is really cool to see all those little those little moments and those patterns repeated throughout the the franchise. And I think that's one of the reasons why the original trilogy has really kind of stood the test of time and still today looks great, sounds great, and is just A masterful piece of cinema
1: yeah man um yeah just recently i managed to track down the original uh theatrical releases yes without without all the uh the new stuff added in Mm -hmm. and so uh uh, i i'm now i now feel comfortable enough to share it with my children yeah (laughs) i have the dvds
0: i I have the dvds (laughs) i have the blu-rays and i have the vhs's but i don't have a vhs player but the DVDs that I have come with the theatrical version. Yeah. And I, I don't think oh. I've seen the like extended edited releases since my father took me to see them when they were re-released in theaters like oh. uh, yeah. 15 years I haven't ago or seen or the
2: special editions in a long time. And um, yeah. Alex, I'm in the same boat as you. I'm a big fan of the de-specialized editions where yeah. they essentially <laughs> take the HD quality of the special editions and strip out yeah. the extra stuff and add in some of the old stuff. But there are some things that I like from the special edition, and I wish that there was some sort of way for them to release like Star Wars: <laughs> The Modular Edition, like add in what you want, you know, <laughs> like pick the Star Wars
0: <laughs> it you gives want. To you Gives you, like, a 20-question quiz at the beginning. Like, how old are you? Yeah. I'm 47. <laughs> All right. That, <laughs> there goes the stupid freaking, like, jumping bantha or whatever. What, what what was it that jumped in the Ewok? Uh, it's a... Not the Ewok. The Java just comes swinging down I by the road. I feel rope.
2: like a piece of crap that I know this, but it's called a Ronto, Barker. A Ronto. <laughs> yeah. No,
0: that's... No, I... That's that's cool. Yeah. Uh, yeah, like, <laughs> it'll ask you questions <laughs> like, how do you feel about... Uh, Michael Bay films. Yeah. Oh, I love them. All right, man. Well, <laughs> the Ewoks will blink. Let me yeah. tell you.
2: No, I just... I, I like some of the changes they made. Obviously, you know, some of the color corrections and taking out some of the little flubs and blunders here and there and, like, replacing, like, the English writing on the, the, on the Death Star control panel with the, like, galactic basic writing and stuff like that. I yeah. mean, that, those are changes that I'm like, okay, I can get behind that. It, it serves yeah, to cool. create a more cohesive universe across the three films. But then you have... You know the Jabba's Palace band, yeah. CG band. Oh, man. You know, yeah. kind of reminds
1: me of when someone gets photoshopped for the first time. They get so overwhelmed by the by the filters, you know. So so any picture they make, they use every single filter in there. Oh look, look what this is going to do! This is so cool. And I felt that like Lucas did the same thing. He yep. said, what can we do with CGI now? Oh look what we can do with CGI! Let's put this in. Let's put this in. Let's put this in. And he just got so excited about the CGI that he just you know went nuts hey well, you think about guys it, like, I just Lucas got is... this
2: new software it's called After Effects have you heard of it I think we should use it on the old Star Wars movies <laughs> no <laughs> if, you, but if you think about it like
0: Lucas has been at the forefront of like technology and visual effects for a long time yes he has yeah. so you know when he made the prequels he surrounded himself with people who could do that like like uh, easily yeah and very well right um yeah. And that's why the prequels look so good, but
2: they're not so good. Yeah. Well, and I think, I'm excited I think for the the, uh, the prequels were made at a time when CGI was just starting to look good enough to put a lot of it in the movie, but it still yeah. wasn't quite there, where it doesn't feel like it yeah. has any weight to it. Um, I got you. So,
0: but the, See, I'm excited for the, uh, the re-release of the special edition prequels uh, in which they cut out all the shit people don't like. <laughs> Um, they, t-
2: they do a reverse they take out all the CGI and replace it with practical analog effects
0: yeah exactly or they just cut it all out and they just show it to you without it uh, but that wouldn't really make any sense it'd be like watching Full Metal Jacket on public TV in <laughs> daytime it'd be 30 minutes long it wouldn't make any sense and all of a sudden they're in Vietnam like what the fuck is going on <laughs> oh 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 we're doing a podcast that's not about Star Wars guys oh okay if you that. wait what yeah, I know. Hey, welcome to Roll Up and Die, ladies and gentlemen, your sensual RPG <laughs> podcast. Uh, my name is Barker.
1: <laughs> my name
2: is Matt from A Fistful of Dice. And my name
1: is Alex, a.k.a. Captain Gothnock.
0: And uh, today, Roll Up and Die turns ten episodes old. <laughs> Woo! I remember when I was ten. <laughs>
1: Shouldn't ten. we be like 10 parsecs old? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh. we, we are 10 parsecs old today.
0: <laughs> and <clears throat> we had decided a while back to, uh, to kind of do this neat thing where every five episodes we do a series called Around the Town, where we'll pick something out of your kind of stereotypical fantasy town uh, or science fiction really we try to make it so you know genre doesn't matter obviously but um, and we pick it's a fantasy. tiny it's <laughs> we pick a tiny thing like a small thing that's um, usually cliche maybe that your players would see inside this town and we will dissect the shit out of it <laughs> and uh, today you know what I'm gonna let Alex
1: introduce today's topic because
0: uh, he has some background on the subject
1: Haha. Yeah, tonight's episode is around the blacksmith, who to me is the heart of any sort of, um, you know, medieval or, you know, fantasy medieval uh, setting, because the blacksmith is is the guy who makes all the tools that all the other people need. You know, if you're a carpenter, you need saws, you need hammers, you need uh, awls, you need, you know, uh, you know, all these different various tools. And those come from the blacksmith. If you're a cooper, you need you need knives, you need hoops, you need all these other things, and those come from the blacksmith. So really, the, the blacksmith is, uh, to my mind, sort of the hub of of one of these communities because they they make everything else that the uh, um, that that uh, that the rest of the community needs. Mm-hmm. And beyond yeah. that, of course, in a setting like you know Dungeons and Dragons or any other fantasy setting, you're looking at the source of your weapons, your armor, um, your you know other adventuring equipment, all of these things are you know come from your blacksmith, and so the blacksmith is is a crucial, uh, uh you know, kind of um, what's what I'm looking for. Uh, it, it's a crucial. It, 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 <laughs> yeah, it's a crucial component to your. Your your fantasy setting, wherever that is. Yeah. I mean, every single village, you know, you go into, no matter how small it is, is going to have someone there who knows no. how to work metal. You know, even mm. just the basics, because at, at the very least, you need to know how to shoe a horse, right. which is uh, um, generally that that specialization is kind of is called a farrier, the person who uh, mm. who, make, who shapes and makes horseshoes. But uh, a lot of times they could do other stuff, and Uh, Even in very small communities, there was always someone who had at least a working knowledge of how to do that sort of thing. So uh, the blacksmith is, is to me, one of the most important fixtures in any any one of these, uh, um, you know, village, uh, town, city, that certainly. And, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, you're just not going to find one without it.
0: Oh yeah, oh yeah, and and I think that you know, in, in a way, to dissect this, we had trouble kind of talking about this for a moment, at least. Maybe I'm not speaking for everybody. I had trouble, like, you know, with this series, this around the town series. How much can we dissect a blacksmith? Like, how can we make this original again and unique again? And you just nailed a part of that, Alex, uh, when you mentioned that you know blacksmiths don't only make swords. Yeah, I, I, and I think that's. A strange adopted misconception that players, including myself, have you know placed into our own brains that when you go to a blacksmith you're going there to have your weapons repaired and to have new weapons made yeah. but I mean uh what about a, a a yoke for the oxen? I mean, I'm telling you like wh- what about all this other stuff? so do you guys want to start there? like what do blacksmiths sure. make
1: well, uh, the bulk of their um, the bulk of their work would be things well definitely horseshoes because obviously the horse is the the tractor of that society mm-hmm. that'd be cool you know, to see they, they, it walk into a smithy and see all these horseshoes on the wall that'd be yeah cool. I mean they're, they're the ones that pull the plows they get their transportation uh, you know uh, they, they move uh, goods from one place to another by pulling wagons and so forth so the horse is, is critical and, and the, the horseshoe is what keeps them on the road you know you so you need, you need the horseshoe um uh, the other thing that people overlook is the sim- is something like nails I mean every building oh, is yeah. held together oh. with nails yeah. <laughs> and, the, and the blacksmith has to make nails in fact that was one of the things they used to do in the winter time which was one of the common things they would, you know, you couldn't really do a lot in the winter so they would spend almost the entire winter making nails, you know you, you have this special nail tool where you just, you know, take, take long th- threads of, of steel, put it through the hole whack, you know, make a make a head on it throw it off, mm. make the next one and so you'd spend, you know most of the time it was the apprentice who did this because that was their training, but they would make you know, real honorable just work bu- buckets and <laughs> buckets of nails but well, I mean, you think about it, I mean, how many nails would you need to make just your average house? Yeah. never mind oh, you know, absolutely. anything else
0: you're like, hey, we're going to the fantasy blacksmith uh, what's it called uh Lowe's <laughs> <laughs>
1: Home <And> Depot. It- <laughs> You know, I mean, effectively it was, at least for hardware. I mean, you, you think of hinges, you think of latches, locks. All of these things had, you know, had to be made by a smith of some kind. And when people think of blacksmith, they most of the time they think of steel and iron, but mm-hmm. there were other kinds of smiths as well. That You, you had a tinsmith who made uh, cups and plates and, uh, you know, uh, lanterns. Uh, for the large home, for men.
0: Example. Large men without hearts. <laughs> Um, har har they, har 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 har. That har, was lame. Har, your fucking drink. <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah. I don't think that one counts.
0: Everyone's seen the Wizard of Oz. <laughs>
2: um,
1: but you have uh, smiths and other metals as well. Jewelry smiths, for example, who might have worked with, um, you know, depending on your setting, maybe smaller things like clocks and so forth, doing clockwork. You know, so they might work with, you know, things like brass, bronze, tin, other, you know, all these other various metals that might be, you know, might not be in the blacksmith's realm, you know, specifically. That's- and then you have other blacksmiths who specialize. You might have one that's one that specializes in armor, for example, if that's the sort of place that, you know, calls for it.
0: Yeah. You mentioned clockwork. That sounds a lot like something I might see in one of Matt's campaign settings.
1: Matt?
2: Uh, yeah, potentially. I like... I like robots, so I tend to <laughs> have a lot of constructs in my in my settings for sure. Um, I feel like you go fantasy and you do it big, and you you do it
0: to the point where you're not quite steampunk, but there are still lightning bazookas.
2: Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm I'm one of those guys that I like the I like the the idea of steampunk. But it's one of yeah. those things that has kind of been driven into the ground a little bit by, by the fan base where it's like, oh, put a gear on a Nerf gun. It's steampunk, you know, that sort of thing. But <laughs> I, hey <man>. I do. <laughs> hey, man. You do you even Etsy store? Do you even? <laughs> well, I've got an Etsy store where I'm painting things brass colored now. I, so. will,
0: I will have you know right now before you dig yourself into this uh, hole geez, that you don't know you're did, in yeah. that my wife animated. owns an Etsy store where she sells purses uh, with gears on them and bicycle gears put in these beautiful patterns.
2: Well, see, that uh, sounds cool, Barker. That sounds like it takes real skill. I'm talking about these guys that are like, I, I took a Nerf gun, I I put some like craft store gears on it, and now it's a steampunk weapon. I've like, got I've got a top hat and goggles
0: on my forehead, baby. I'm steampunk. Checking my
2: pocket watch. My hot pocket is done. You know that somewhere out there, one of our <laughs> That's
0: <was> fucking hilarious. <laughs> Sorry. somewhere out there, someone's listening to our podcast, taking off their top hat and goggles, really sad. <laughs> no, a, put them back on, man. Put them back on. Taking
2: their handkerchief out of their waistcoat and dabbing at their dabbing at their eyes. <laughs> <laughs> no, the thing is, is I, I do, I do. I mean, uh, my my primary set of dice is a clockwork set of dice, so I enjoy the aesthetic. Yeah. I do, um, but it is it is one of those things that wouldn't be commonplace in a no. in a medieval setting. I mean, you know, Alex you're saying, you know, the, the jewelry makers, you know, these these people that work with, with fine tools and precious metals would, would would potentially make things like clocks, but you can't walk into a village and be like, Where's your clock maker? You know, like they don't have one. Right. They, right. they they don't even know what a clock is. They've never seen one. They're like, Well we look up at the sun and that's how we know what time it is. So um Well if, it doesn't have to be even as exotic as steampunk. I mean that that's yeah.
1: obviously an extreme but uh, even things like making, you know, bullseye lanterns, hooded lanterns, right. you know, th- those are mm-hmm. all made of metal. People make those. And so, um, you know, they all require different, not not necessarily levels of expertise, but uh, different kinds of expertise. Someone who makes swords and armor isn't necessarily going to have the tools or experience to make a hooded lantern. Exactly. So, so would you a- say that in a, in around
0: the town, in a fantasy town, you might see multiple blacksmiths?
1: Yeah. Oh, in a, in a city, absolutely. I mean, in a small town, village, or Hamlet. Uh, what's the word? Uh, well, hum, if,
0: if only we weren't live, you could just repeat the I whole know. Sentence. Uh <laughs> No, that's all going in, by the way.
1: Sorry. Or a Hamlet.
0: Hamlet. <laughs> a Hamlet. These damn people um, from Maine and their pronunciations.
1: <laughs> uh, yeah. Y- you would... Uh, uh, yeah, in, 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 a, in those places you would see more of a generalist, someone who, someone who, you know, he could do horses, he could, you know, make eh, some weapons, you know, and he might even be able to make uh, some finer stuff. But generally speaking, he's not going to be, an, you know, an amazing at any of them. Right. You know, but if, but if you go into a big city, you know, you, you're going to find someone who's just an armorsmith, someone who's just a weaponsmith, someone who's just a, um, you know, a tinsmith, a silversmith, whatever. Right. And... You know, so it really depends on um, the needs of the community, and also the the materials available. Yeah. And, and this is something to consider too: is different areas of your world might have different materials available. You know, we all think of steel weapons, but you know, what if you're in an area that just doesn't have steel? You know, and and maybe uh-huh. maybe it's not open to trade. So you could have an entire you know community or even culture with bronze weapons still. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, so they might be working with that.
2: Yeah. Please. And I, I think it's, it's smart, Alex, to say, like, you know, think about what the community would need. Uh, you know, you're not going to mm-hmm. make things as a blacksmith that aren't getting you money, that aren't getting you work. You wouldn't sit there and bang out swords all day in a small farming village (laughs) that needs one sword between the entire village to occasionally fight off bandits or wolves. You know, you'd be making horseshoes, you'd be making tools, you know, farming implements. But if you go to a castle or a larger city where there's a town guard and there's adventurers coming through, you would make good business making swords and armor. And so it's, it's all about just like, it's kind of common sense. It's like thinking, okay, what is the chief concern of this town? What would the blacksmith be making? Because like you say, the blacksmith is the heart of a community, and so the the blacksmith would kind of be plugged in directly into that need that the town has.
0: And and therefore might even be employed by the town yeah. nobles, you know? And, and and what sort of person in your games carries a sword? You know, an example that I would think of is, you know, in actual medieval times, uh, also Game of Thrones does, does this pretty well. Um You know, the people who have swords, or swords are expensive. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And if you have a sword, it means, oh, you are important, uh, not to be trifled with, or both. You're either the baddest dude in town or the dumbest dude in town. Let me tell you, right? Like, it's like wearing a white suit when you go to the hood, you know? Sure. (laughs) Anyway.
1: uh, But. uh, Yeah, I mean, in in, in a small town uh, or village, you know, you might have one or two people with them if they are you know, people of note or, you know, maybe they were able to cobble them together, you know, for the town watch that sort of thing. And maybe they share a sword, you know, Yeah. when you come off duty, they you know, they pass the, the sword over. And they, yeah. Yeah. And, and that could even mm-hmm. be kind of part of the culture too, the passing of the sword, you know, you yeah. can make that as part of the, um, you know, part of the, part of the mythology.
2: Yeah. I always like to think like in a town um Like they wouldn't necessarily have swords, but it's like, well, but they chop wood, so they have axes, or you know, they yeah, they yeah. you know they have to fight off wolves, so they would probably have spears. Like every town has spears. A spear is a sharp point on the end of a stick. You know, even if it's a even if it's a uh, like a sort of whittled branch with a point right. on the end of it. Like every town is going to have spears. But a sword, a sword is a bit of a status symbol, and I always like to think yeah. of it like feudal yeah. Japan, like the samurai. Were the yeah. ones who carried the katanas. You know, you you weren't a uh, a peasant in the army carrying a katana. You got you got a spear, and that's it. You know, the, the the katana was a status symbol, and it meant, like you're saying, Barker, don't mess with me. I'm I'm higher up than you.
0: That's really cool. Really cool idea, that, and cool reference to, uh, the mm-hmm. Japanese.
2: Yeah.
1: But that's a good point in that uh, a blacksmith might, would certainly make things like arrow points because yeah. those would be used for hunting. Yes. Which exactly. would be which would be critical to a community um spear points and and this also helps you to kind of think about you know what your town is going to be armed with mm-hmm. you know if the play, if if the the PCs are coming into a town or the town is fighting off some sort of threat you you want to think about what sort of weapons they would have you know they're probably not going to have long swords short swords you know they might have uh, crossbows, but chances are they're probably going to have things like short bows and spears. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Those are going to be their primary weapons that they're going to be using to defend the town against whatever threat is is coming at them. So when the when the when the party comes into the town with swords and shields and even magic, they're going to be like, whoa, holy! You know, we need these people. Yeah, you know, we're, we're fighting with we fighting with sticks yeah. here. You know, we or, or we us. need to disarm
0: these people. Like, well, hey, right. hey, turn over your swords. You're not coming into the town. Like, yeah, have you ever done well, that in one of your right. games?
1: Uh, oh yeah, I've I've, I've definitely had. I definitely have some areas that are more. Um, what would you call it? I guess phobic about adventurers. Yeah, you know, they they, they they're kind of nervous about them, and sometimes there's a good reason. Like adventurers came here before and and <laughs> wrecked the place yeah nope. <laughs> and, and and sometimes it's just the mystique of them so it's like well you know we uh, you know we, we're really not comfortable with you walking around with these these weapons in in a way it would be kind of like if you walked into a, a you know a town in in middle america carrying a, an AK-47 over your shoulder you know even if it's you know uh, let's assume let's assume it's open carry so it's legal you know people are still going to be like looking at you like oh, why is he carrying an ak-47 yeah you know <laughs> what is oh, he damn. planning to do <laughs> <laughs> right 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 so that that's what the I, mean, I don't know if you guys like have
0: ever them. been to moriarty but uh, new mexico um uh, but they'd probably I might've, I might've asked once, to I was drunk, open the so. chamber and see the serial number and See if they could shoot it in the air a couple times. I mean, that's it's really, like a pastime. <laughs> with their pants down. That's New with Holiday, their, remember? With their
2: pants down, exactly. <laughs> mm. No, I've, I've done that oh, before, dear. too, where uh, it, it might not be a, a city, but maybe a certain establishment you have to turn in your steel You know, if it's like if it's like an adventurer's tavern that is known for people getting into fights and killing each other, be like, all right, we got to we got to start instituting a rule where when you come in, there's like a coat closet for swords, you know, like you come in and drop (laughs) off your weapon before you come into the tavern. I had stuff like that before. Yeah, exactly. Take your ticket, reclaim (laughs) your sword at the end of the at the end of the night, you know.
0: I like what uh, what Alex said, you know, you mentioned earlier how there are different types of blacksmiths that work with different types of metals. You you mentioned in the chat that uh, you know, next time your 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 player's characters go into a, a blacksmith and say, Hey, can you can you make me a sword? You'd be like, Yeah, no problem. And then they come back to pick it up later and they didn't realize that this was a tin blacksmith. He worked with tin, so it's a sword made of tin. And he says, "A." Uh, Oh, you were looking for steel. Well, that's up the street, uh, but that'll be 200 gold.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I had to use I, a lot of tin to make that blade. <laughs>
0: I would I'd do that so hard.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> so, Matt,
0: uh, well, okay, so, Alex, like, you are, you've you have experience smithing. Yes. Okay, so, what, honestly, does the inside <laughs> of, of a blacksmith's shop look,
1: feel, smell like? Uh, Well, the strongest smell, it depends on what they're using for fuel, but basically uh, if they're using coal uh, there's definitely a sulfurous kind of smell about the place. It's it's very unique. Once you smell it, you can't forget it. Mm -hmm. And uh, the shop itself is usually very well organized even if it's cluttered because when you're working with hot materials... You need to know exactly where your tools are. Mm. You need to, you know, if you if if if, if you have a hot piece of, of steel or iron or whatever in, in your tongue, you need to know exactly where your hammer is so you can grab it without even looking. Right. Because you've only got um, limited time to to hit that hit that steel. Mm. You know that that expression strike while the iron's hot? That that's that's where that comes from. You need you need to be able to hit that thing while it's still at the right temperature, exactly. Yeah. Uh, so you're and, constantly like moving, constantly, kind
0: of rushing in a way. Uh,
1: not necessarily rushing, because what you what you've done is you've sort of set up your shop for that purpose. So hmm. you you know like directly like if you're facing directly in front, you've got your your forge, which is where you heat the metal. Um, <clears throat> to your right, you have you have you might have your anvil. Um, to the other side, you might have a vice of some kind to hold you know, metal while you're bending it or twisting it or doing whatever you need to do. Yeah. And then behind you, you have, you know, your tools. So everything is right there. So you don't need to walk very far to do what you need to do. You just turn, grab, wham, wham, wham. And and, and, and you start, you know, doing what's necessary to, to get that metal, um, you know, start moving metal while it's still hot. Because um, especially in a setting like a fantasy medieval setting, fuel is going to be very very difficult to come by. Yeah. Or mm. or maybe not difficult to come by, but certainly um, labor intensive to come by, let's say. What kind of fuel
0: it, do you think would the average, you know, fantasy setting use?
1: It depends on the setting, but there 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 would be two primary uh kinds of fuel. One would be coal if okay. you want to, if you want to go that route, which is mined out of the earth. Mm-hmm. And then uh charcoal which is made from just wood that you essentially um you put in some sort of container, mm-hmm. and then you bake it over a fire until it becomes just charcoal. You know, so oh. you basically heat it up to heat it up to burning temperature, but you don't give it any oxygen so that it it, it chars. Burn. That's right, it chars without burning, mm-hmm. and so mm-hmm. then you can then you can use that charcoal, and um, you know, so if they have a lot of wood available but not much not much coal, that's what they're going to use. If they have, you know, if you're in an underground culture, say like you know, the Underdark or, you know, the, uh, uh, with dwarves or something like that, they might use coal because that's going to be more accessible to them. Mm-hmm. You know, they're yeah. going to have more access to coal than to, than to, you know, wood on the surface, that sort of thing.
0: I've also, I've always liked the idea of this, uh, kind of in the Underdark, you know, how, you know, on the surface of the world there's a forest, <clears throat> but right underneath that is the Underdark. And you also have a forest there, but it's not, you know, a forest of trees. It's a a forest of inverted roots that grow downward and look like trees, but they're kind of coming down from the ceiling. That'd be cool, you know, using these roots as as kind of a a fuel source, you know, to fuel the blacksmith and other things.
2: Yeah. I always have well, um my dwarves in a lot of my settings use magma forges because they're usually in mountains yeah. or under the earth and I always think that's really fun to. I mean, even just using a different source of heat to make your weapons yeah. gives them a sort of not not necessarily magical, but definitely a sort of uh, otherworldly quality like, oh, this sword was forged using magma. You know, this is this yeah, is right. a special sword.
0: I, and I'll I'll jump in with uh, you know on the on the magic side. I love uh, using kind of magical setting dressing and descriptions um i love i love showing people who are using magic to do very mundane tasks right. like yeah. f- honestly yeah. like freeze meat that is such a very <laughs> uh i'm serious that's a mundane task that if if people if ordinary peasants had magic they would freeze meat you know oh absolutely they would um they would use this fire magic to fire the you know to heat up this sword, you know, something like that. So um, I think, you know, magic is an an interesting way of taking a a blacksmith, which is kind of a normal thing in real life, and make it Mm -hmm. fantastical a bit.
2: Yeah, absolutely.
1: Yeah, and and you can do a range of that. You could use, uh, like, you could create kind of an exotic fuel for your world. Like, there could be some sort of magical version of coal. Yeah, that burns longer and hotter, maybe maybe adds a certain property to it. Right. You could, um, have a uh, uh, various sorts of magic like heat metal, so you could have blacksmiths who have have their own sort of their own their own style of magic that they use heat metal uh warp metal you know those those kind of things Mm -hmm. and uh and it can go all the way up to to a point where you have a forge that has a small gate to the elemental plane of fire you know sort (laughs) of built built into it yeah and and you know go you can run the entire range depending on the level of magic you want to use the location if it's in a big city of course you
2: you might have more access to you know those kind of planar options (laughs) yeah you know so one of my favorite um, magical fuel sources is uh, ghost rock from the Deadlands setting, and mm-hmm. there's it's essentially compressed souls that have become rocks, and so when you burn it, it sounds like screaming, so they have these trains that go super fast, and this, this ghost rock just burns so hot. But as the trains go by in the night, it sounds like they're they're screaming, and it's just like such a cool, wow. flavorful fuel source that really yeah. kind of just like sets the tone for the rest of the setting of Deadlands, which is awesome.
1: Very cool. Oh, yeah. yeah, and all those great options for, you know, if you wanna if you wanna have a uh, have a blacksmith, but have it have a more magical setting feel to it. Yeah. yeah. Use different use different fuel. Use mm-hmm. these magic spells. Use. Uh, Maybe something they only use once in a while, but maybe, you know, they would use it for special, you know, special items, that sort of thing.
2: Yeah, and there's always uh, dragon swords, you know, swords that are, they mm-hmm. use dragon fire to forge them, which are always just so cool. And, um, you know, that's a, that's a big thing in the, the Game of Thrones series. These, you know, Valyrian steel blades that are forged with mm-hmm. dragon fire and stuff like that. So,
0: um, <clears throat> One second, you guys. I am... Um... Very close to my C drive running out of space. Oh, no. It's, it'll oh, be okay. It'll be all right. I just need to uninstall something real fast.
2: Okay. <laughs> just real quick. Got to uninstall a bunch like, of stuff. Got to format like, the drive. Like Smokes. right fucking now.
0: <laughs> God damn it. No, I don't want to maximize the window. I want to click the X. No. Jesus. <laughs> smoke if you got
1: him. Smoke,
0: <laughs> smoke him if you got him. All right, I'm All right. I'm sorry, XCOM. I love you. XCOM. Oh. No. <laughs> actually, no. oh shit, I can't find it. Who makes Two K Games makes XCOM. This is unbelievable.
1: It's unbelievable. Unbelievable! <laughs>
2: Unacceptable!
0: <laughs> it sucks because my 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 computer local disk C drive it had 180 megabytes free and it's like counting down <laughs> <laughs> as I'm doing this. Do you it's feel like at you're one... disarming a bomb right now. I do. Right. It's like at 153. This is staying in the podcast. I'm not taking this. <laughs> okay. Um, you okay.
1: like the delete bar go down even as the oh. the memory bar goes down which is going to win. <laughs> oh my god. Oh my god. EFG. Okay, Hurry.
0: GameStop app, you're done. You're out. Peace uh, you're you're uninstall. Next.
2: Hurry. This is Hurry. the segment of Roll Up and Die where Barker does routine maintenance on his computer. Yeah. <laughs> On today's episode, surprised? file management.
0: All right, so now I'm at 282 megabytes. Is that enough <laughs> to finish this? Um, I don't know, man. We,
1: our files usually end up being close to four, four. And a you a know
0: half, what? So. I'm I'm gonna do, I'm gonna do the bad thing.
2: What are you gonna do? <laughs> um, you don't even want to know what I'm gonna do.
0: <laughs> you don't even mute. I'm, un- mute, I'm uninstalling mute. Diablo three.
2: You're uninstalling Diablo three.
0: Yeah, what am I, I do? I play Diablo all the time on Heroes of the Storm.
2: That's true. I was, I was just gonna say, Barker, you're not uninstalling Hots, are you? No,
0: <laughs> no. I would, I would sooner just let this podcast die halfway through.
2: <laughs> Sorry, guys. I can't get rid of oh, Heroes man. of the Storm
0: peace out thank you for tuning in to Roll (laughs) Up and Die sorry for not getting to the question from a listener and for the idea you can steal here's this idea you can steal Play Heroes of the Storm I'm logging in right now (laughs) 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 Uh, so I I always imagine when you go into a blacksmith oh back to the original topic back to the topic uh, (laughs) that I don't know that your eyes might burn a little bit like that there would be some sort of oh it would be incredibly smoky awesome
1: um it, well, somewhat, yeah. I mean, th- there's definitely going to be the, the, some smoke in there, but, you know, most of them have, you know, some kind of, uh, you know, structure over the forge is going to draw, you know, like a fireplace, you know, you yeah. have stuff drawing up, but the, uh, the, definitely the smell of sulfur, which if you haven't smelled it is, is, uh, is definitely something you won't forget. And, and it's... Uh, oh, go ahead, Alan. And especially if, especially if you're working with coal, um, charcoal is going to have, you know, similar things, anyone who's uh, ever been around a campfire and has walked into the smoke of it and, you know you, you, there's that too. So there definitely be some of that. Um but uh any blacksmith worth worth his salt is going to have enough draft to, you know, make sure it's not going to get too smoky in there. But yeah, there'll be definitely be distinctive smells. One of the things that um a lot of people don't think about when they think of forging things, especially like swords and armor, things that where the uh um it's going to be used for something of 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 violence that mm-hmm. it has to be heat treated properly and what that usually means is uh, the first thing you do is you quench it which means that as soon you get it up to forging temperature once once the piece is done you know you've got it shaped right you've got it looking how you want it to then you get it up to forging temperature again and you quench it in uh, in, in 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 liquid which mm-hmm. um, makes it super hard and uh Sometimes you would use water, but other times you might use things like oil, mm-hmm. because uh, oil has a lower, uh, uh, sorry, it, it, you know, it just has a different uh, effect on the metal. So when you, when, you, when you quench it in the oil, you're going to get kind of a, a slightly slower cooling, mm. and so it's, it's actually going to be better in some cases for the metal. Yeah. And what that's going to do is that's going to give you a very, very hard blade, which sounds good, but it's also going to be very brittle. Yeah. So then, what you need to do is you need to heat it up a little bit That's after what she that. Said. <laughs> <laughs> so you need to heat it up for a little bit after that to to what to to temper it, which is to add just a little bit of softness back into it. And what that yeah. does is it makes it makes the blade flexible, um, but hard. So you yeah. want to find that right balance, and uh, you know so there's gonna be there's there's gonna be different uh, liquids in there. There's, there might be water, but they might also have oils or other. Um They could even have some exotic fluids where you know they quench it in it to cool it, but maybe it adds properties as well, you know, mm. kind of like a potion that you would uh, you know kind of quench it into that sort of thing so you know, you this can, is you my can, you plus one ideas. juice
2: <laughs> <laughs> no I had a have uh, i've actually done that before like the the quenching it in different things like I had these poison blades that were quenched in like wyvern blood um yeah divine uh uh, weapons that were quenched in what was essentially you know healing potion liquid um i had a i had a this was this is something i don't even think is possible but i had a desert tribe that would they didn't have a lot of water and so when they would when they would need to cool down their weapons really fast they would stick them deep in the sand and they would quench them in the sand and it would kind of give their weapons this glassy kind of look
1: yeah actually that's a real thing awesome Um, (laughs) You, you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, although what it does is it is it is it uh, is it cools it slowly, which mm-hmm. is which is that which, which which can actually be good for certain types of, of heat treatments. Awesome. Uh, you, may, you, you might you might want to cool it more slowly if you don't want it to harden too much.
2: Right. So yeah.
1: depending on the uh, you know like the moisture content of the sand that sort of thing, but you could have like a certain type of sand where they when they put it in it cools it, but at a much slower rate so you might not even have to say you know temper it later right yeah
2: so um a uh a really great youtube series that has taught me quite a bit about blacksmithing is Mm -hmm. um man at arms um and more specifically the most recent episodes of man at arms Reforged, which is the new series and it takes place in a different blacksmithing shop, but they've yeah. actually started to, you know, in, the, the, in Man at Arms a lot of the times he just kind of cuts stuff to shape out of, like, spring steel and then, yeah, like, yeah. kind of forges it to make it look nice, sure. but these guys are straight up, like, forging stuff out of Damascus steel and, and really doing it, like, yeah. from yeah. scratch and it's really, really interesting to watch because they're really good at talking through the process of like, now we're doing this because of this and now yeah. we're doing this so that the sword doesn't do this, you know, and um, yeah. it's a really honestly just watching a few episodes has, has taught me a lot about just the the overall process of blacksmithing and what all goes into making a sword because it is so labor and material and time yeah. intensive well the the what, what what most people call damascus steel is is basically just layered
1: steel right where, yeah. you la- where, where you layer alternate um layers of hard and soft steel yeah and um you know basically they, they make like a uh, they put they put all those layers together. They sometimes just tie a wire around them, and then they heat it up to what they called uh, forge welding temperature. Yeah, which means mm-hmm. you have to get up to uh, almost to the point of melting. It's 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 a very very difficult skill to learn, but you get up to almost the point of melting, and and then and then you have to hammer the hell out of it really hard. Yeah, and a lot yeah. of times, um, now you guys have all seen The Hobbit, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Do you remember? you remember the scene with the with the the five dwarves around the one piece of metal, all hitting it, boom, 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 I mean, that is that is that is a real technique that blacksmiths have used, where you might have four, five, six blacksmiths around a single object that has to get hit, you know, as as quickly as possible, and 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 with a lot of force. And so they will just get around it and like boom, 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 and just you know alternate their blows to get that thing, you know, and you know as as well, Hit it um, as quickly and as hard as possible, and in the case of forge welding, you know that that's that's really important. You want to yeah. you want to get it while it's just at the right temperature.
0: And while that might be a really cool thing to put into your game, uh, if you do it now, your players are just going to be like, "Oh, you stole it from the Hobbit," <laughs> <laughs> and you will be like, "No, I stole it from Roll Up and Die. They stole it from the Hobbit. Take a drink." <laughs> uh, you brought something up a little bit, uh, Matt. You know, mm. it's a very material and time-intensive process. Yeah. How much time does it take to make a longsword?
2: I mean, I don't know offhand, and it, it definitely depends on how many people are working on it, the materials available, the type of, you know, fuel that you're using. Alex would probably be better able to uh, to give a, a, an estimate on that. About a week. There you go. About a week. About a week. <laughs> <laughs> for a good one. I mean, one. the guys, for, for really, the guys for a, in for, a... For a really uh, good one.
1: It, no yeah for a really good one it's about a week and it also depends on how busy your blacksmith is if he's got you know look I got to get these hinges done you know the they're building a new uh, you know warehouse down the street I need to get these nails finished up you know <laughs> you know, he may be yeah. busy so yeah. exactly you know, that, 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 that's gonna, that's going to depend but if it's, if it's a dedicated weaponsmith you know they, they could pro they could probably get it done in in, in a week if it's uh, you know if you're looking for a really good quality. If yeah. you're looking just for just a down-and-dirty sword, you know, a couple of days maybe, well, but, but, it's not gonna be, but, it, but it's not going
0: to be particularly pretty. In Runescape, you could just walk into a store and buy one. Like, I just don't see the <laughs> issue.
1: <laughs> I mean, well, in, I mean in, a, uh, weaponsmith, a weaponsmith in a big city could have some prepared swords made, you know, yeah. that are just kind of hanging up on the wall that you could walk in
2: and buy. Um, but, Probably. you know, they're not going to be anything special, of course. Yeah it's like in the man at Arms show i mean they have three four guys working on one item they have you know the best tools available they have power hammers and it still takes them a few days to to bang a sword out so you know and yeah a a single guy or a couple of guys working together with you know medieval tools in a medieval setting would absolutely take longer than that so it's it's a it's a a long process
1: even in medieval i even in the medieval setting, they're going to have something like a power hammer. Basically, what it was is, you had a uh, like a if you imagine a huge sledgehammer um, hooked up to like a hinge, and what they had they had a foot pedal with a, mm, a, kind, yeah. of a kind of an anvil underneath it, so they could basically just stamp their foot down and have boom, boom, bring down this this huge uh, you mm. know this huge hammer, and yeah, it might not be quite as fast as some of these power hammers you know the modern power hammers, but they they could do a pretty good job, and as I said, you know, a lot of blacksmiths would get together, and help each other out. You know, if a blacksmith, you know, especially in a city, a blacksmith might, you know, call to his call to his buddies and say, hey, look, you know, I'm I'm I have this big project. Will you come on over? You know, this night and and help me, you know, hammer out this big piece of metal. So they'd come over and you know they'd they'd, they'd team up on it like I described and just boom 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 boom, and mm-hmm. and they'd be able to you know, to get the work done.
2: Yeah, absolutely. That's awesome.
1: Uh, I, honestly,
0: you know, I've learned a lot just doing this podcast. Cause, yeah. Because, uh, like, already I have just so many ideas. I, I'm a big fan of the r- swords are rare setting. Like, I really like the idea that if you see someone with a sword, it means mm. they're important. Um, it, it means – or it means they're rich or both. And, um, you know, D&D, if you look in the equipment purchasing list, you know um, – Unless you're doing a little something extra to make gold pieces more rare in your game, yeah, then it's really easy to to kind of foresee a bunch of NPCs walking around with swords on their on their hips, and blacksmiths, you know, stocking the shelves, man, because the adventurers they're coming in, and <laughs> and we gotta sell them the plus one swords. And
2: Everything must go. Yeah. We're having a fire sale. A <laughs> yeah, fire.
0: No, really. Actually, you know what? Next time, uh, if you're listening, next time you have show a blacksmith, you really should have a fire sale because that's just perfect. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, um,
2: along those same lines, though, Barker, you have to remember that a gold piece most common people aren't going to see a gold piece but a few yeah. times in their lives like they're you know a, 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 an average person can live off of a few coppers a day so a long sword even being totally. i don't know i don't know how much is a long sword 20 gold pieces or something like that yeah. like i mean that's a fortune that is a yeah. fortune you know that's like thousands and thousands of dollars in, 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 you know, relative dollar amounts. And so, yeah, yeah, it it would be pretty rare to see a, an NPC walking around with a long sword. And even if you did, you'd be like, well, they probably blew their life savings on that thing. You know, it's Mm -hmm. like seeing somebody, you know, driving around in a, in a brand new Corvette and then walking in and using food stamps, you know, it's like they blew all their money on that car, you know?
0: Absolutely. I think honestly, it's uh, a, it's something that I started doing when I started DMing. Like, because I wanted to make characters, but I was also the only person in my group that would be okay with DMing. So I would DM and I'd make all these NPCs and they're all cool, and they'll have swords and it's like <laughs> all of a sudden like everybody's got a freaking sword and it's like Mexican standoff with swords and just like Sword Fest <laughs> 2015 of the Third Age uh you know what what band is going to be headlining the swords I mean really it's just swords everywhere All
2: the swords Sword of Palooza Sword of Palooza <laughs>
1: but uh (laughs) i mean that's the thing to to think of too is that the the player characters are the heroes so they're gonna Mm -hmm. see a lot more you know swords they're gonna see a lot more magic they're gonna see a lot more of this stuff than the average you know uh you know farmer in a small village would so there that's going to be a big difference in Mm -hmm. perception and i think but but i think drawing that to the players' attentions once in a while is, is really a good idea. You know, walking into a town and showing how no one has swords, no one has armor, and then being impressed by the fact that you have a simple long sword, even if it's not magical, be like, whoa, a long sword, you know that, that that's impressive.
0: And I think the rarer the weapons in your town, mm-hmm. the more prestigious your blacksmith will be. Yeah. I I think that's a, you know, if you think, if you want weapons to be very common, then you're going to see the blacksmith on the corner. He's going to be dirty. I mean, they might always be dirty, but he's, you know, he's just going to be working (laughs) his ass off. If you see, you know, there are no weapons in this town and they're very rare and they're very nicely made, the blacksmith might be located in the castle. Uh, He might not even touch metal ever. He might just supervise tons of apprentices as they're all doing the work. You know what I'm saying? Sure. Sure. Absolutely
1: absolutely and and he he might take on the big jobs like when you know the king wants a new sword for his son for example or something Mm -hmm. you know exotic like that a tin sword (laughs) 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 let's uh let's
0: do this thing that we do where we go to our facebook page and we look at the questions that have been asked and i was a good boy i posted this two hours ago
2: that's very good barker
0: uh and uh Looks like Ben B., uh, his question has the most likes, and uh, Nathan C. is going to piggyback on his question, which, okay. Ben B. asks, can you think of the most unlikely type of person that would make a great blacksmith? Um, And then, you know, again, Nathan says, um, like, you know... uh, a blacksmith is in the same echelon as butcher and alchemist we hear the term and immediately picture uh, and immediately a picture pops into our head you rarely need to go into much detail because, you know, we've all kind of seen the blacksmith. When you say blacksmith, you think of this the yeah. bearded Scottish fella with a soot-smudged face, and that was not a Scottish accent, but whatever. But if you try to diverge <laughs> from that and say the blacksmith is a wiry kid, you know, running around, kind of reminds me of the kid from The Matrix, what, Mouse. Uh, <laughs> uh, it stops being believable. And... Um, how do you, how do we go about making a blacksmith unique without destroying his ability to be
1: in the role? So yeah, I mean, there's two, there's two things that a blacksmith is going to be. I I don't care what you know what species he is, he he's going to be covered in soot. Yep, <laughs> and he is going to have massive arms because yeah. that is a it is a lot of work to be a blacksmith. I mean, you you are you are doing a lot of of, of, of work with your shoulders and, and, and you know, biceps and forearms mm-hmm. and, you know, your back muscles. I mean, you're, you're doing a lot of upper body work. so
2: Yeah, you're um, going to the gym what, what, every what, day what, being a black Exactly. What, <laughs> whatever you are, work is the you, gym. you are, are going to be yeah. covered
1: in soot and have massive upper body strength. So apart from that, it, it, it's open. If you want to have a gnome, I suppose, with, you know, this big, you know, massive upper body and, and I, so forth. You could
0: someone on our page mentioned, you know, a very beautiful woman you know i think that yeah. would be a fun thing you know and just put someone you wouldn't expect you know very just like stunning magically stunning person covered in soot
2: yeah i
1: well, had one a one of my, favor- one I of my had favorite Smith characters i'll uh... oh, go ahead Alex. no i was going to say one of my one of my favorite characters from from a movie was uh um i forget her name but it was in a knight's tale um, yes uh, the 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 woman blacksmith. I loved mm-hmm. her. I haven't seen it. You know. She, oh god. You, Take you, a you drink. Get, you <laughs> you got to see a nice tale. But in yeah, it's case, really good. Barker. Do I gotta? Um,
2: do I? Gotta, do I it, really gotta? It's a fun movie. It's totally a D D movie, man. You gotta. Okay, it cool. Is. I
1: will.
0: I like Heath Ledger, but okay. All right, yeah. I will.
2: And and Paul it, Bettany's in it. Um, and Alan tudik
1: It, it, it <laughs> is what it is. Hey man, I gotta see it. Alan
0: Tudik's in it. It is. Gotta see my 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 twin. My
1: brother, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it, there is actually historical precedence to a woman being a blacksmith, even in even in medieval times. Because um, if if her husband died, it was it, you know of course at that time women had very few rights, but if your husband died, it was perfectly acceptable for the wife to take over the blacksmith job mm-hmm. to to take care of herself, mm-hmm. and so you did actually see women blacksmiths. They weren't talked about much. There wasn't a lot written about them. Certainly, they weren't seen in the same regard as a male blacksmith. But they were there, mm-hmm. and so you know, it's it's definitely even even if you look at history. Now, I prefer my fantasy setting to have you know to be a bit more enlightened <laughs> in that way. So yeah. you know, women and men tend to be have more more equal. But um, but it's 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 not you know it's not as far out as some people might think.
2: Yeah, I had a character in one of my games a while back. I think her name was like Valera Dark Iron or Dark Steel or something, and she was a high elven blacksmith. And I, mm-hmm. I, the way I came up with her was exactly how that question is phrased: It's like, what's the most unlikely person that you would think would be a blacksmith? And it was between like a halfling woman and a high elven woman. And I went with a high elven woman because I liked the idea of this you know, kind of graceful creature creating these weapons. And I wanted the weapons to kind Damn. of match her. So she made these really kind of beautiful, but deadly weapons, um, in her, in her shop. And, uh, she was kind of a fun NPC to portray.
0: See, I'm going to, I'm going to plug a movie really quick too. I, um, I like, <clears throat> I think one of my favorite blacksmiths in a movie, uh, is, uh, and one of my favorite movies actually is Balian from kingdom of heaven.
2: Mm-hmm. Oh Yeah. yeah.
0: I I love not only his character, but I love the fight scenes inside of the blacksmith's shop.
2: Yeah, you know, people yeah. stabbing
0: each other with red hot swords. <laughs> I mean, I just I love that. I love that so. <laughs> I think that you know, if you haven't seen that movie, see yeah. it uh, and pay special
2: attention to that. Specifically, oh, the director's guy. cut of Kingdom of Heaven. Yeah, it's oh. so good. Yeah. Really another good.
1: another good example too is uh, Dragon Slayer. Yeah, oh yeah, is, yeah.
2: No, that, no. yeah. Damn is, it,
1: Barker. <laughs> Parker <laughs> yeah, there, the, there was a there was a great scene where um you know and, and again it was it was it's a good it's a good template for a blacksmith he um uh the character the main character the protagonist asks you know the, the blacksmith have you ever forged a weapon and so they they end up going to these these uh, this kind of hidden location and, and pulling up this this huge this uh, the spear that he said it's the best thing I've ever forged, you know. Now, there's no weapons anywhere in this blacksmith shop, but he clearly forged this one sometime in the distant past because there was a dragon that, uh, you know, that needed to be slain, and so he mm-hmm. had made this, and it never, ever got used. So he ends up, you know, retrieving this thing from, from you know, beneath, a, a beneath some falls or whatever. And, uh, uh, and in order to improve on it, the, uh, the main character uses this magical amulet to heat it up to so that they can kind of reforge it and make it something that can slay a dragon. And it was, it was a really great scene. And, and uh, yeah, I, that was one of my favorites.
2: Yeah, I love that movie. What about uh, anyone seen How to Train Your Dragon? Nope. Oh, yeah, yeah. The uh, The main character in that is the apprentice to the blacksmith. And he, yes. <laughs> he uses his skills in metalworking and crafting to make... Like harnesses and stuff to uh, to ride on, yeah, and cool gadgets to ride around on the dragons with, and I I thought that was kind of cool too. So
0: yeah, cool. I I think I yeah. There's uh, yep. I should see the movies. Anyway, um, I have a D six in my hand, and -hmm. I believe it's time (laughs) to make an idea that you our listeners can steal. And this is my favorite D six. It is um, you know, it's just a regular D six, but it's blue on one half and red on the other. I'm, uh, you know, we, we started this show with a conversation about the prequels of Star Wars. This is Watto's kind of fate die. Oh. <laughs> and it's, and I, when I saw it in the bag, I was like, I need that one, just because it's Star Wars, <laughs> and, uh, and I love it. So uh, Alex, you're one and two. Matt, you're three and four. I'll be five and six. Right. Let's make a blacksmith shop and a
2: blacksmith. Sounds good. All right. That is a three, Matt. All right. Um, so let's see. How do we want to do this? Do we want one person to come up with the the shop and one person to come up with the... How do we I, want to do it? I would say God, whatever, honestly. Just go nuts. I, yeah. Just go yeah. nuts? Okay. All right. These <coughs> <laughs> nuts. Got him! <laughs> so, all right. Stupid. I'm going to go... Conan the Barbarian, one of my favorite movies on this, and I'm going to say that Mm -hmm. this blacksmith shop is located in a village in the far far north, where it's snowy pretty much all the time and the blades that are made here are quenched in the snow and the ice, Mm. uh, instead of water, and um, the specifically they uh, will thrust the sword into the glacier that the town is built onto. And these swords have come to be known as glacier-forged blades. And they have a kind of strange blue tint to them depending on how you hold it in the light uh, because of their forging process. Beautiful, beautiful.
0: And next, uh, that's five. So that is me, I believe. Um, I'm going to say that the hammers that these uh, smiths uh, use to work on the swords are actually made of ice blocks that have been uh, Mm -hmm. fused to the tops of uh, maybe uh, wooden or metal kind of poles and so they're striking the swords with ice i like that that ice mix so uh striking them while simultaneously cooling them maybe
2: I like the idea because it—they would hiss as they hit a, hit the, the red hot, yes. you know, iron of the sword. They would hiss every time yeah. they hit them.
0: Awesome. All right, Alex, you're next. Uh, well, hold on, hold on. Let's make this fair. You're one through six. <laughs> uh, that's that's uh, unsurprisingly you, Alex. Oh yes. man.
1: Whew. <laughs> I knew it. Um, so the, so the, the blacksmith is not is not human. But is, is only part human. The other part is uh, frost giant. Yes. And so, oh, yeah. And, and so, and so this uh, the blacksmith is a woman. She stands uh, seven foot eight inches tall, and uh, uh, she she actually has gorgeous skin. Her skin is is, is almost is, is just alabaster, almost translucent. She's she's uh, she just looks gorgeous and, and and almost like a statue in in her beauty and uh uh as she as she as she sort of hammers she sings this uh uh this song that was passed on to her from her ancestors as she as she beats the metal and you can hear this sort of song echoing through the entire village and into the mountains as she uh she works on this this massive anvil made from a uh, a single stone uh it's not a steel anvil it's just a piece of granite which is just you know smooth and it's about uh uh, eight feet, eight feet long, and about four feet across. And she just boom, boom, just beats on it while she's singing, and you can hear that. You can hear her voice just echoing through the uh, um, uh, through the canyons of this uh, this remote place. That is awesome.
0: That is awesome. amazing. Now, and I think it just goes to show, like you know, the blacksmith, like any other shop you know matt you said this place was in the northern territories you know icy and i said okay the hammers are made of ice you know alex you said that um you know the the blacksmith is part frost giant take the environment that surrounds the shop whatever the shop is blacksmith included and Mm -hmm. put it inside the shop
2: yeah and
0: and that's just you know the inside of your shop or tavern or whatever should reflect the outside world and i think uh i think I think you guys rule, and I just love being on this <laughs> podcast with you <laughs> and uh and thank you so much uh the listeners uh for tuning in to Roll up and die I wanted to just take a moment really quick. This is our tenth episode, and um uh I think we would uh i i I just don't you know we would not be half as bright a flame if you weren't around to listen so uh, if you're listening to this, thank you. Um, yes, you, the one driving in your car. No, don't take your hands off the wheel. Just like, just keep going straight. Don't get in a wreck. Um, anybody listening to this podcast, seriously, from the bottom of our hearts, thank you so much for listening. Uh, my name is
2: Barker. My name is Matt from A Fistful of Dice. And my name is Alex, a.k.a. Captain Gothnog.
0: And um, may you all... Hammers strike the metal true always. This show has been produced by Roll Up and Die and is copyright 2015. It is owned by all three of the primary hosts. The games, movies, and other properties mentioned in this show are the property of their respective owners. Stealing is wrong. You can find all three of the hosts on YouTube and other websites. Matt is at youtube.com slash a fistful of dice. Captain Gothnog is at youtube.com slash Captain Gothnog. And Barker is at www.beabettergamemaster.com. Listeners are free to use this show in any way, shape, or form, as long as credit is provided to the Roll Up and Die podcast. Look for other releases of this show at www.beabettergamemaster.com or at facebook.com slash rollupanddie. Have a fantastic day, and as always, happy gaming.